is Friday night. You know what that means. It is time for If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and it is time once again for another week of you to hear me babbling on about the wrestling business. We got some pretty big news stories going on here this week, as well as some great wrestling action from all three shows, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, and AEW Rampage. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday are our days to look at and speak about wrestling. Now, once again, I do not have my frosty beverage uh, with me. Uh, There have been a couple of health concerns going on with me over the last uh, couple of weeks. So I have taken away the frosty beverage just for now until we find out what's wrong and we make a rebound to get better. So, but if you have one, pop it open for me, have a toast, and listen to me spew my venom my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. I'm going to start things off with quick hits this week and quick hit number one. Sinclair Broadcasting announces $12.5 billion in debt for their first quarter. For those of you who do not know who Sinclair Broadcasting is, well, they are the owners of Ring of Honor. They are the channels that uh, allow Ring of Honor to have a show on them Um, and be broadcasted into many homes in the United States. What this basically does is, if you remember us speaking about Ring of Honor closing their doors during the first part of 2022, well, this isn't looking too good for them, ladies and gentlemen. Ring of Honor may be closing their doors for longer than just 2022, and that may be why they did let go of their entire talent roster in allowing these other wrestlers and women to go ahead and find jobs otherwhere elsewhere, wherever they can, um, and, you know, allow them to make a wage rather than waiting to see what Ring of Honor is going to do. They've already done that during the pandemic. So I do hope that Ring of Honor makes a return. I do hope that they are um, able to bounce back, maybe in a sale or getting a TV deal somewhere that could get them some money to generate some better revenue and move on. But if not, thank you for CM Punk and Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, Tyler Black, um, Eddie Kingston, Homicide, countless, countless other wrestlers like Brian Kendrick and Paul London, the Briscoes, Steve Carino, uh, Kevin Owens, El Generico, Sami Zayn. Thank you for every wrestler that you brought out the best in Ring of Honor. Because if it was not for you, these wrestlers would not have been able to get on a main stage and promote themselves to get to a better company that had a bigger TV deal, which is not saying that Ring of Honor is not the better company, but allowing them to hone their craft and get better as time went on. Number two, John Moxley checks himself into rehab for alcohol abuse. Uh, This is an inpatient rehab, which means... John is there voluntarily and can check himself out whenever he wants, but he wants to get himself help. I was unaware that John even had an alcohol issue. I've seen him drink a couple times after matches in Japan and even a couple of matches in AEW, but I never heard anyone like a Roman Reigns or a Seth Rollins say that John was constantly drinking when he was in WWE or anyone in AEW to say that John was constantly drinking here in AEW. Um, Whatever the case may be, 
I know over the last couple of weeks, I've mentioned that John's character has gotten stale on AEW and I've, I've questioned his body of work. And that doesn't mean that I'm questioning the man. I'm not a John Cena fan for his work that he does in WWE, but John Cena out of the WWE the work that he does with Make-A-Wish and his acting career, I'm all for. What I'm basically saying is, John Moxley, I respect your decision. I support you. And I hope that you get the necessary help that you need in order to get over this illness and deal with it day by day. I'm happy that Renee, your wonderful wife, is supporting you. I'm happy that your daughter is still young so that she doesn't have to live through going through all of this and that you can make yourself better to be there for her in her older age. And I am so happy that Tony Khan and the entire AEW family is there to support you as well and there to give you their 100% and wishing you the best as you move forward. And I cannot wait to see you come back, John. Like I said, even if I don't like what you do in the ring, I don't wish any ill will. I hope that he comes back and is at 100% and starts kicking ass again the way that I remember him doing when he first got to AEW. Um, and I, I've seen some writings that, well, he didn't have this problem in the WWE, and if he did, WWE would have gotten him a, a, you know, help immediately. Whatever. That's true, but WWE isn't helping Jimmy Uso. He's been in and out of DUIs and problems already. Didn't fix that. WWE helps who want to be helped. And yes, if John would have been there and asked for help, he would have gotten help. But whatever the case may be, let's not compare companies right now. It's not about the companies. It's about this one man getting help. And if anyone needs help getting off of drugs or alcohol, reach out, find your local AA or substance abuse uh, counselors, and get yourself help. It's for the best. It never ends well. <clears throat> and finally, number three, WWE once again releases a big list of superstars, and some of them are big names from the main roster. And this one came as a shock yesterday, folks. The list goes as um, follows. Eva Marie, Harry Smith, Mia Yim, Keith Lee, Nia Jax, Karrion Cross, Scarlet Bordeaux, B. Fab from Hit Row, Grand Metallic and Lince Dorado, Katrina Cortez, Ember Moon, Frankie Monet, Trey Baxter, Jeet Rama, Oni Lorcan, Zeta Ramira, and Jesse Kamei. Now, some of those are NXT talent. Some of them were not even on TV. In fact, you're going to hear me say during the NXT 2.0 review that when they mentioned Jeet Rama is in a match tonight, I didn't even know he was still under contract. But apparently he isn't anymore. Um, Frankie Monet was a major shock because John Morrison is still under contract and Frankie was only hired six months ago and maybe had six matches total in the ring. Mia Yim and Keith Lee were also big shocks because Keith was trying to make a comeback. And how do you fail at pushing a guy like Keith Lee who is, well, he's limitless. And Mia Yim is great. I mean, her work in, in, in TNA and Impact speak for themselves. Karrion Cross, another shocker, and Scarlett Bordeaux. I thought that Karrion, without the helmet and S&M gear, could have been huge. Uh, and Scarlett was fantastic in her role being by his side. B-Fab, another shocker, because Hit Row just got called up to the main roster, and now you've already released one of them. 
And Grand Metallic and Lindsay Dorado have been asking for their releases for quite some time. Ember Moon is a bit of a shocker. She's been making countless strides in NXT. Eva Marie, not a shocker. They brought her back for no reason. She did not get any better in the ring since the last time we saw her. And she was just a botch fest, like I always say. Uh, and Harry Smith, I, I was aware that they did hire Harry Smith back, but he never made his in-ring debut or television debut, so just kind of a shock that he was, he was still employed. Whatever the case may be, the wrestlers who were let go by Ring of Honor and the wrestlers who were let go by the WWE, they have some places to go. Impact, AEW, MLW, and the NWA just in the United States. New Japan... All Japan and other Japanese wrestling companies in Jap in Japan. New Japan also has strong style here in the United States. There is the UK. There are countless other indie promotions where these people can still hone their craft and then get signed. You may be saying, well, Arch, why aren't you saying AEW should grab them all? Because AEW already has a monstrous talent roster. And they've already picked up part of ring of honors people who were let go as i reported last week so for ring of for aew to pick up now 30 some odd wrestlers with these ones that were released by wwe and the rest of ring of, ring of honors uh cast offs that can't happen there are already 30 people on their roster who haven't been on tv in the last six weeks because there's no room for them unless aew plans on adding another show which they have four with two on YouTube and two on regular television. I don't think they can add any more people to their roster, but these people will find work. They will be still entertaining us. They will actually get a chance to wrestle now without wearing helmets and S&M gear. So I, I wish them all the best and I can't wait to see where they all pop up. That's going to do it for our uh, quick hits. Now moving on to NXT 2.0. And our opener is uh, starts with the new women's champion, Mandy Rose. Mandy beat Raquel Diaz at Hollywood Havoc last week. Rose says that she told us so and that she's a woman of her word. The camera pans the backstage area and we see Gigi and JC taking out Zoe Starks. Rose laughs and says there's no one to stop them, but she's interrupted by Io Shirai. Both women brawl. Gigi and JC hit the ring and try to help Rose, but Carter and Catarizano make their returns and save Io. I guess we'll be getting a six-woman tag between Toxic Attraction, Io Shirai, and Team Botch very, very soon. We get a sneak peek of Duke's Poker Room with Cameron Grimes, and I can already tell I'm going to love this. You want to play 21? I got 22. Dakota Kai took on Cora Jade. Both women start off brawling. Kai gets the upper hand with a big boot and shin lock. Jade was never able to get into any offense. Kai stayed on strong. One finisher later and Kai picks up the win in 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Post-match, Dakota Kai looked to destroy Cora with a table, but had second thoughts and just walked away. Kind of wondering what's going through the mind of Dakota Kai since her return. But in any case, seeing her back in the ring is great. Although I do not like the squash on Cora Jade because she's had a three or four match winning streak. So it just doesn't make any sense here. 
Later on tonight, Kyle O'Reilly and Vine Wagner will battle Legato del Fantasma. We then see highlights from Halloween Havoc's party and Robert Stone getting laid out and put through a table by Zeon. MSK discuss losing the tag team titles and about bringing in an advisor. I wonder who that's going to be. Zion has answered Robert Stone's challenge that he put forth a little earlier on when he wanted to uh, speak to him in the ring. Um, And uh, after putting him through a table last week, Stone talks his ass off and we have a dance off. Jesus Christ, why is this happening? And now this Xeon guy who's been deadly in the ring is dancing and singing HBK's theme. For the love of God, this is bad. And finally, a match, Zeon versus Robert Stone. Zeon with some innovative offense and picks up the win in 90 seconds. We could have gotten here without the singing and dancing. This was not needed by any means necessary. Joe Gacy says the world is shunning Harlan, and it's our fault. He's about to unleash Harlan on NXT and cleanse it for the better. I cannot wait to see Harlan in his debut. This guy, if they are saying what he really is to be the truth, a mini Brock Lesnar, then I cannot wait to see this monster get unleashed. Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner taking on Legato del Fantasma. O'Reilly gained early control with a headlock and takedown. He tagged in Wagner, who used pure power in throwing boat members of Legato around. Legato turned it around and kept Wagner cut off from his side of the ring. O'Reilly got tagged back in and tried to regain but it got turned into a fight between all four men. Wagner got rolled up and pinned at a twelve at the 12-minute mark. Good showing between both teams, great match, but it looks like Wagner is already frustrated with Kyle O'Reilly. If you remember, Kyle never wanted to team with O'Reilly to begin with. Kyle never wanted to team with Wagner to begin with, so I guess the kinks are really not getting worked out there. Carmelo and Trick Williams are out next say they're back and uh, spooky stuff is going to stop and no spooky stuff is going to stop them this week. Hudson walks up and he says he has their backs because they had his in the haunted house last week. Mackenzie mentions he was being called a chicken for his actions at the haunted house and he walks out saying he's going to go out to the ring and prove that he is not a chicken. Back at Duke's poker room, Cameron Grimes is beginning to piss off Duke. They both knock out the other five players, and we'll see who wins the heads-up battle a little later on. Gold so far, though. Comedy gold. Uh, I want more of this. I think that Cameron Grimes playing the uh, beginner's luck, uh, dumb, you know, uh, southern guy, and Duke Hudson just being thoroughly pissed off is perfect. Um, Couldn't have asked for a better move for Cameron after he got done with Elliot Knight. Andre Chase is out, uh, set the record straight about last week. He fears no man, and the only thing that there is to fear in NXT is Andre Chase. Well, that's until Braun Breaker answers Andre's open challenge. Braun Breaker, with a belly-to-belly and two Steiner lines, starts this one off. Chase fights back with a big boot and chops to Breaker. Braun with a reversal into a shoulder block and another belly-to-belly. This is followed up by the power slam finisher of Braun. He gets the win. In just two minutes. Quick match, but good for Braun to keep his momentum after losing his title shot last week. <coughs> Greg Breaker grabs the mic and says he may have failed to become NXT champion, but he isn't done. He will get another shot and he will be champion down the line. He sounds so much like his Uncle Scott. 
I'm just waiting for the Steiner Math promo, ladies and gentlemen, because if he delivers that, he's got my vote, and they could take him to the moon. Imperium cuts a promo about bringing Pride back to the NXT Tag Team titles and changing American ways. Gigi and JC arrive and compliment Imperium. They say the new champs should watch their match next week in their six-woman tag. Imperium says not all American ways are bad. So I knew it would be getting a six-man tag between Toxic Attraction, Io Shirai, uh, Catarizano, and Carter next week on NXT. I'm fast-forwarding through the Lash Legends and Tony D'Angelo segment. Neither of them need time on TV or on my show. Solo Sukhoi is out to take on Jeet Rama, who was just released yesterday. So he's on NXT on Tuesday and let go by Thursday. As I said, I didn't know Jeet was still under contract. He's been in NXT and rarely seen for over five years. Solo looking like a younger version of the late great Umaga. We see the hip drop in the corner and a super kick. This is followed up by a big splash, and this one is over in three minutes. Sukhoi has a big future in NXT and in WWE, in my opinion. Great in-ring debut for him. Briggs and Jensen get a little bit of TV time to tell us about their backgrounds. I'm liking them as a tag team, and I think they could have a lot of success if given the right push. Boa is out next, and he's taking on Grayson Waller. Quick start back and forth, and Waller with a couple of pin attempts. Sloppy offense from Boa, and he gains control. Waller comes back with a funny... With a fury of knees, excuse me, and right hands, he gets distracted by LA Knight, though, and Boa lands a big kick and picks up the win in just three minutes. Not a fan of Waller, don't like Boa's character, and I think the matches uh, that we've seen tonight have been way too short, except for that one tag team match. NXT needs to slow down and get us back to good in-ring wrestling. You can have all the crappy backstage stuff you want, get us back to good in-ring wrestling. Back at Duke's poker room, we are heads up. Duke belittles Grimes and puts him all in. Grimes smiles and calls with a full house, leaving Duke upset. Cameron wins at the poker table, and now let's see what these two can do in the ring, maybe? You never know. I like, though, how Cameron Grimes moves over to battling Duke Hudson, who is a newcomer, but they're having a nice back and forth, and they moved L.A. Knight to battling Grayson Waller, who's annoying and barely can go in the ring. I don't understand why LA Knight was, you know, downgraded in, in, in my opinion, but I guess we got to wait and see. Kylie Ray is in a destructive mood, and next week she will start her pact back to NXT. Boa returns to his master's chair, and she's gone, but now he's wearing face paint. What the fuck? Tommaso Ciampa comes out, comes out to cut a promo, says Halloween Havoc was a changing of the guard. Uh, he says that with all the new champions in NXT, he's left as the god of NXT. Braun Baker earned his respect, but he knows he has the target on his back now. Which cues Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams to interrupt. Carmelo says Ciampa is going to take a backseat to the North American champion. Tommaso tells Carmelo, if he feels froggy, jump. Trick tries to talk, but, Car- but uh, Ciampa... Knocks his ass out. Best segment of the night in the ring, in my opinion. May have saved this show slightly, seeing Ciampa and Carmelo go back and forth there. The way make their way out, well, it's Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis, and he and Ciampa come face-to-face. Could we see a reigniting of the feud between DIY 
Yes, please. Loomis and Gargano versus Trick and Carmelo. Little comedy to start things off, and Trick kicks Loomis. Loomis comes back with a Luthez press and arm wrench with a tag in and out to Gargano. Mello in, and Loomis catches an attempted big boot and tags in Gargano. Back and forth showing of quickness between Hayes and Gargano. Nice action right there. Johnny got in, uh, caught in Trick and Mello's corner, took the brunt of the beating, double tag. In comes Loomis with a clothesline, bulldog, and springing suplex. Little bit of backhanded move by Trick, and he hit Loomis with a shoe. Who uses a shoe, honestly? Carmelo landed a top rope leg drop and got the win in 14 minutes. Great main event. Absolutely great main event. Carmelo and Gargano were obviously the workhorses of this match. Loomis is there to prove that he's, you know, funny and awkward and crazy. And Trick Williams is actually surprising me also. Um, great main event, though, and again, it helps to show out. Uh, I give the show a three out of five this week, and it really came down to the last 30 minutes. Without that, this was going to be a two, maybe even a 1.5 because of the short action and everything else that was just going on being kind of blah. <coughs> AEW Dynamite, and we're going to start off with a match. Kenny Omega taking on Alan Angel, number five of the Dark Order. We start off. And uh, the announcers wish John Moxley uh, uh, well uh, during his trying time. Again, AEW is all for John Moxley here. Angel tries to get at Omega quick, but the champion turns it around and is toying with number five. Angel with the leg lariat and gets a one count. But, but Omega goes to the eyes and takes back control. Omega tried for the one-winged Angel, but a Alan Angel reversed it. That was a tongue twister. Tried for a pin, and Omega used a vicious V-trigger to put him back down. Omega landed two more V-triggers and got a hard-fought win at the nine-minute mark. Good opener. Not the best opener, but a very good opener to start the pace of the show. Omega cuts a promo on Angel and asks for a chair. He's looking to take Alan Angel out, but Hangman Adam Page is out to make the save. And I guess it's time for some cowboy shit, ladies and gentlemen. We see a buckshot, but no, Omega runs off scared. Page lets Kenny know he has 10 days until he comes for that belt. Incredible first to first 15 minutes of the show, in my opinion. Adding Adam Page to this really set it off nicely. We get a rundown of tonight's show, and looks like it's jam-packed. We also find out that Miro will replace John Moxley in the world title eliminator tournament. Malachi Black says Tony Khan shouldn't have banned him from ringside tonight when Cody Rhodes takes on Andrade, but it won't make any difference from the outcome because when Caesar was um, brutally uh, killed, there was a, more than one knife in his back. So I guess he's suggesting that someone else is going to turn on Cody Rhodes down the road. CM Punk out to talk to the crowd. He tells the crowd he wants them to cheer for John Moxley because it's important to support him during this trying time. Punk says he may not be super close to Mox, but he is proud of him. Punk says if anyone needs help, ask for it. It may not be easy to ask, but it is needed. And he's right there. I agree 100%. He then calls out Nick Kingston. <coughs> he says they've never had a beef. Uh, he's never had a beef with Kingston in the past, but Eddie thinks that they have. The fans chant for full gear. 
But Punk says, why wait? Let's do it Friday in St. Louis. Yes. Punk Kingston is a must, and I cannot wait. I would have liked them to continue with Kingston and uh, Brian Danielson, but uh, Brian is in the Eliminator Tournament, so I guess we got to wait for more on that after full year. But Punk and Kingston, that's going to be a barn burner, in my opinion, if, the, if we get to that. We hear from Miro, and he's once again talking about being angry with God. He said once he wins the title tournament and the AEW title, then he will forgive God. Okay. The Super Click says last week was a fluke, and it won't happen again. They will not lose to the Dark Order. Christian Cage walks in on them, and this is followed up by Luchasaurus. The Jacksons and Cole seem to have the upper hand, but Jungle Boy out of nowhere dives off the stage, taking out the Jacksons. All six men are fighting on the stage. Jurassic Express seems to be gaining momentum. Christian brings out two chairs and performs a concerto on Adam Cole, totally murdering Cole. Unbelievable segment. Um, it, that was, was brutal, but great at the same time. Good to see Christian and Jurassic Express get one up on the, uh, the elite. Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander talk ahead of their matchup in the TBS title tournament, which will happen this uh, next week, actually, on AEW Dynamite. Uh, both women are great in the ring, so that should be a great matchup. FTR then took on Kalisto. No, I will not call him Samurai Del Sol and Aerostar. Good feeling out props between Kalisto and Cash. Aerostar and Dax are brought in. Dax says Aerostar is number one in his cute little way. And both Lucha's nail dives to the outside. Cash and Kalisto trade reversals, but Kalisto hits a Hunkan Rana and Aerostar with a splash from the top for a two, but is broken up by Dax. Cash back inside with Aerostar. They trade pins. Cash grabs the ropes and gets the win in 10 minutes. Good matchup for FTR, but Aerostar and Kalisto need to tighten up a little bit. It was a little botchy here and there, but... <laughs> That's the Lucha style, you know, if you've ever watched the AAA match, just a car crash back and forth, back and forth, so. The Inner Circle are out next, and they're about to let us know who Sammy Guevara has picked for American Top Team to face them at full gear. Jericho puts over Sammy and is interrupted by Dan Lambert. Lambert acts annoying as fuck as usual and then runs down who he has on his team to pick from. Paige Van Dan says she can take on the entire inner circle alone. Jericho cracks a joke back at her to the light of the crowd. Um, Jericho and company choose uh, Junior Dos Santos and Andre Olofsky. Great choices if you're looking to have a wonderful MMA match, but if you're looking to have an easy win, not. These guys are brutal and they're bad in the ring. And I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. And then they choose Dan Lambert. That's right. So it will be the men of the year, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, Andre Lorsky, Junior Dos Santos, and Dan Lambert taking on the entire inner circle. I kind of hope that it gets left to Dan Lambert with like five members of the inner circle left so they can just beat the crap out of him. We both know that's not going to happen. But still, it, it was a funny segment, and I think this is going to be good. I cannot wait for full gear with everything that's popping up for it. Backstage, Matt Seidel congratulates Dante Martin on his win last week. He then challenges Dante and Leo Rush to face him and Lee Moriarty for a tag team match next week. 
to which Rush accepts, says he knows Lee Moriarty very well, and that uh, he is behind Dante Martin, and they will gladly face them in a tag team match anytime. We then go back up to the ring, and we have Anna Jay taking on Jamie Hayter. Back and forth for the first two minutes of this one, but Hayter with a big boot gained control. Hayter overpowered Jay for most part, but Anna Jay tried to make a comeback. Britt Baker caused a distraction. Jamer hit her, Jamie Hayter hit her finisher, short arm clothesline, and we get the win in eight minutes for Jamie Hayter to advance in the TBS tournament. Post-match, Baker, Hayter, and Rebel beat down Anna Jay. Ty Conti tries to make the save, but it's too much of the numbers. So this brings out Thunder Rosa, who chases off Baker and company. Liking the story progressor between Baker and Conti, but Anna Jay, in my opinion, deserved the win here. You just brought her back. The crowd love her. Why not move her on in the tournament? Good women's match here, though. Post-match as well. Jade Cargill and Mark Sterling cut a promo, but I'm still not listening. Something about that she's going to win the TBS title. I doubt it. <coughs> MJF then comes out to talk about Darby Allen. He pumps them both up and says they're going to be legendary one day, the both of them in AEW. He says the fans boo him because they are jealous of him, but they cheer Darby because he's one of them. MJF says at full gear, Darby will be a glorified stuntman and MJF will still be a winner. Darby tells MJF he will be able to keep his composure at full gear and will have a regular wrestling match with MJF because he's going to whip his ass tonight. So MJF tries to get away, but Sting blocks the way. Brawl in the crowd between MJF and, Star and Darby Allen. Uh, Darby takes MJF out, and uh, Max runs away through the crowd. Incredible segment, in my opinion. Both men showing a lot of heart. A lot of determination, and I think they're going to have a chance to steal the show at uh, full gear. Andrade and Cody Rhodes is up next. Cody started things off quick, big right hands, and a kick sent Andrade to the outside. Andrade reversed Cody and brought him back into the ring, and then it's all Andrade. El Idolo worked over the leg and kept Cody grounded. A half-legged crab by Andrade, and he continues to keep Rhodes down. Cody tried to fight back, but Andrade would find a way to keep him down again. Three Amigos with the final suplex into the corner, and that got followed up with a double knee in the corner for a two count. Cody fought back and hit a flip-flop and fly, but Andrade reversed Cody and put a big figure four on in the middle of the ring. With a little help from FTR, though, Andrade got the win a couple minutes later. At the 20-minute mark, and this was a great matchup, it continued the story of Cody having a hard time dealing with many others in AEW. You know, if you, FTR and um, Malachi Black are now with Andrade, and they're going to be going after Cody four-on-one. You know what I mean? It, it, it's gotten to the point of that Dustin is not there. The rest of the American uh, Nightmare family is not there. It's getting hard on Cody Rhodes. Hard times, baby. Post-match, it looked like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard were about to go at it, but the Lucha Bros came out to Cody's aid and Arn's aid as well. A lot of volatile situations going into full gear and a lot of questions needing to be answered. Uh, like, why the hell does everybody hate Cody all of a sudden? What did he really do? Tony Schiavone interviews John Silver in lieu to his matchup with Adam Cole this Friday night, and John uh, says that he's going to beat Adam Cole's butt 
this week on Rampage, and he keeps calling Adam Nudge. Silver says he tried to help Cole since he got to AEW, but it's been to no avail. So Johnny Hungy is going to kick Adam Cole's ass all night long on Rampage. We hear from Red Velvet and the Bunny before their matchup this uh, Friday night on TBS as well. I'm not really interested in this one, but could be good. Who knows? And then we go to our main event. It's Orange Cassidy versus Miro. Brian Danielson makes his way out for commentary to watch this one because he will meet the winner. And uh, Cassidy tried for his normal shtick, a little bit of comedy, but Miro just took him out. Miro with the slam, followed up with two snap suplexes, and then a gun-rich suplex into the middle of the ring. Cassidy tried to fight back, but Miro wasn't having it again and locked in his camel clutch for the submission at the 10-minute mark. Good way to make Miro look like a beast again in the middle of the ring. And then Danielson walked out post-match, tried to shake Miro's hand, but God's favorite just backed away, and I, I like that. Don't let him say nothing. Don't let him do anything except for fight in the ring. If Miro ends up winning this tournament and is the next in line for a world heavyweight title shot, great, but he's got to be a monster. Score for tonight's show, four out of five. It was a great show, a lot of good in-ring action, but too many interviews, in my opinion, and promos. We didn't need to hear from the women for the TBS tournament, uh, and we really didn't need to hear from John Silver tonight because we're going to hear from him on Friday anyway. The Inner Circle and American Top Team segment was good, but it could have been cut in half and gotten there as well, but still a very good show. We come to our final show of the evening. AEW Rampage. We're going to start out with a match again because AEW continues their ways of delivering on great opening matches. It is Brian Danielson taking on Anthony Bowens. These two started off in the middle and Bowens got the upper hand. Danielson gained wrist control and turned it around, but Bowens surprised him with a big boot. Anthony Bowens showed a lot of heart and took Danielson down until Brian made a nice comeback after a Bowens mistake. Danielson pulled back on both arms while delivering his boot to the back of the head of Anthony Bowens. He applied the S-lock and got the win at the 13-minute mark. <clears throat> Another solid opener here for AEW on Rampage, just as they had on AEW Dynamite. Uh, Danielson also allowing another youngster to show off his skills in the ring against him. Every match that Brian Danielson has had in AEW has been an incredible match uh, from the beginning to end, whether it was with Kenny and now against Anthony. Great showing for uh, Brian Danielson since coming to AEW. And now the reason I'm here, CM Punk comes out and calls out Eddie Kingston, but the Mad King made him wait. Eddie finally comes to the ring and both men shoot on one another from opposite corners. Eddie got closer as Punk called him a bum. Kingston told Punk nobody wanted him there in AEW. He literally said, nobody may tell you this, but nobody wanted you here. Nobody wanted you to come here. Uh, Kingston challenged Punk to a match at full gear, and it took some prodding, but Punk finally accepted, and then both men brawled it out in the ring. Great to see them both going at it. And this, in my opinion, was the best segment that AEW has done on either show. Um, It was real, and you could see the animosity between both of these guys. Their match at full gear is going to probably be a knockdown, dragout brawl, but I'm all for it. I mean, we've seen Punk have technical battles. We've seen him have brawls. Why not now? And if he could help make Eddie Kingston in the process, please do. Please do. 
Backstage, Jurassic Express and Christian challenge the Super Click to a Falls Count Anywhere match in a six-man tag at full gear. We will have to wait and see if they accept, but I have a feeling that Cole and company will definitely be accepting that match. Red Velvet and the Bunny have a back-and-forth contest with Red Velvet proving that she's improved in the recent weeks, and so has the Bunny. Bunny kept control for most of the match, but Velvet fought back where she could. Bunny looks for his finisher, but Velvet countered and hit her own and gets the win, advances in the tournament at the 10-minute mark. Not a bad one here. I, I can't have any problems. There was no botches. It was a good, clean wrestling match. Post-match, Jade Cargill came out, and her and Red Velvet go back and forth with a war of the words going into their quarterfinal matchup in the TBS tournament. Mark Henry then has a sit-down interview, split-screen style, with John Silver and Adam Cole before their main event match. Silver pokes fun at Cole again, but Adam is all riled up in all business, promises victory here tonight. Silver and Cole in the main event. Early on, Silver used great speed to keep Cole on the defense. From there on, Cole shifted things and beat down Johnny Hungy. The Bucks tried to get involved, but the Dark Order kept that from happening. Cole tried for a low blow, but Silver made a counter and hit one of his own, much to the uh, upsetness of Taz, who was like, you know, Johnny's a, he's, he's a, he's a criminal. He shouldn't be doing things like that. Uh, they both then went to the top rope to battle, but both came crashing down. Cole went on to hit the Panama Sunrise and a Shining Wizard to the back of the head and picked up the win at the 20-minute mark in a great main event. Both guys delivered in a big way. Cole is still trying to fit in, and John Silver is trying to prove himself every day in an AEW ring. In my opinion, five out of five for the score tonight for AEW because the show delivered in every way possible. Whether it was a promo or a match, there were no holes in this one-hour show, but how could there be? <coughs> Great showing from AEW this weekend. As far as in-ring action goes, there were a couple of bright spots for NXT. Um, however, with all of the layoffs that have now happened this week, we're going to wonder what's going to happen next week on NXT and what kind of holes are going to be there now. So, it is now time for what grinds my gears. And I've got to be honest with you, I didn't really have anything planned this week. But then I watched wrestling, uh, and I watched everything wrestling had to offer, whether it was WWE, NXT, AEW, Impact, NWA. My problem isn't with wrestling this week, and it isn't with the fans. Um, my problem this week... And what grinds my gears is fans who look at things from a different perspective than they should be. There are fans who are bitching and moaning that Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, Taya Valkyrie, or, you know, Frankie Monet got fired because it's unfair that they were fired. And I agree it was unfair that they were fired. But two months ago, you guys were bitching that they weren't being used correctly. You made fun of carrying cross with the damn helmet and the S&M gear. 
you said Keith Lee looked stupid in the shirt. You hated his ring music now, and he wasn't being pushed the right way. You didn't like the way Frankie Monet was being portrayed as a ditzy blonde in NXT. Now they have an opportunity to go to a company and actually be pushed as wrestlers and not as characters. Um, you, you guys didn't bat an eye when Ring of Honor just released their entire talent roster, but you're freaked out that WWE did. It just seems very hypocritical. I'm, I'm going to go to bat for WWE here. Companies sometimes have to release people, whether it's for budget cuts, whether it's because the wrestlers aren't doing what they should be, whether they're a problem, whether it's drinking, drugs, alcohol, whatever you want to, whatever the problem may be, there is a reason that these wrestlers get fired. Now, some are saying it's because WWE feel that the older wrestlers can't be taught the WWE style, and they now want to go ahead and uh, hire younger wrestlers that can be taught from day one. That's fine and well, but all I'm going to say is to the fans that are criticizing and to the fans that are throwing stones and saying that things aren't right that the WWE have done, you're also the fans who say that Cesaro deserves a push and that you knew he was great all this time. But yet when he was getting a push as a tag team wrestler, you played with a beach ball in the middle of a crowd and yelled boring. You thought that Keith Lee should be pushed. And when he was being pushed in NXT, you were cheering for Karrion Cross. Now, you're all entitled to cheer and boo as you please. You paid your ticket. You bought your pay-per-view. You downloaded Peacock, whatever it is you did, to watch your show. You're entitled to have any reaction you want. Support the wrestlers that you love from day one, though. Don't support the company that they're with. It doesn't matter about that damn company that they're with. They could be wrestling in front of 20 people in a bingo hall or a high school. Support them by going and watching them. Be number 21. Bring five friends with you next week and be, have them be number 27. And so on and so forth. Support the wrestlers that you love in the big companies by going and watching them, by buying their merch, by actually cheering them. Because when you do cheer and give a reaction, good things do happen. Whether it's in WWE or AEW or in another company, if a wrestling promoter sees someone getting a good reaction, they will act. Yes, Vince McMahon is a decrepit old man who couldn't make a new wrestler if his life depended on it. But there are other people in that company who when they see a good reaction from somebody, they push them. Hence, Finn Balor going back to NXT and being pushed to the world title there. You understand? Stop being fickle. Stop being angry when you don't know the whole story. Cheer for who you like. Boo who you don't. Don't boo at all. Cheer for them all. Cheer that every wrestling company has a great year this year so that they don't end up $12.5 million in debt or billion dollars in debt. Cheer for the companies that are bad on ratings right now and watch them when they're live so that the ratings can go up make wrestling great again with you start with you because if the product is good i just told you three different shows that had great matches on them if you're not watching those shows how will you ever know don't just take my word for it don't take wade keller's word for it don't listen to the five-star ratings of dave Meltzer. watch Watch and let it grow.
Wrestling is like a flower. A flower that has bloomed into an entire garden. And if we continue to watch it grow, if we continue to nurture it, if we continue to love it, and if we continue to do good by it when it does good by us, that entire garden will go from having flowers to having trees. Those trees will grow. They will blossom into something bigger and things will get even better. But again, don't take my word for it. Try it. See what happens. I want to thank you guys for joining me. I want to thank you guys for supporting the We Can't Wrestle and WrestleNet Radio family. And I want to thank you guys for continuing to support wrestling as a whole. I will see you next week. And thank you once again. Until next time. If you smell what the arch is.